Parashas Kislava, we know, is one of the two parashas in the Torah which describe the brachas and the klalas. What we promised as a reward for keeping the Torah and what we threatened as punishment if we disobeyed the Torah. Now we find a well-known Gemara, it's a Gemara in Megillah, and Daflamad Aleph, that Rav Shimon ben Arazel says, Ezra tikkanem in Yisrael, there's a takana from Ezra, that they should be read the parish, the brachas and klalas of Torah's kainim, which is the brachas and klalas of Ayikra, the parish of before Shavuos, and the brachas and the klalas of Parshas Kisave, the ones in Dvarim, before Rosh Hashanah. What's this takana? So for us, it doesn't sound like much of a takana because we have an order where we read a parasha a week and we set up that we finish the Torah every year on Simchus Torah. And with that framework, it fits very nicely because the way that we've set up the system is that the end of Vayikra happens a week or two before Shavuos and Kisava is always going to be a week or two before Shoshana. So because of that, we don't need any special takana. That's the way that the, the parashas of the year work out. But that order that we have for the parishes was only something which came popular in the time of the Goenim, which was much later than Ezra. Ezra was before the Tanoim. And if that's the case, then the Takana of Ezra was that just like the times in the year when we read special parishes, for example, parishes Zachar before Purim, or things like that, so there was a special parasha to read before Shavuos, the Kladis and the Brachas of Parashas B'chukaisa and before Rosh Hashanah, the brachas and the Kladis of Parashas Kisava. So it was an extra reading and a different reading. It was something unique. What was the reason for that? Why would Ezra make it important for us to read brachas and Kladis of these two times of the year? The Gemara Rizan Zabaya says, That the year and its curses should end. Now I have two questions. Let's make it three questions on this Gemara. The first question is if we just understood the point, and that is that this wasn't the regular reading of the calendar, it was a special innovation, a special takana of what Pasha needs to be read before, uh, before Shavuos and what Pasha needs to be read before Shoshana. So then why would it make a difference which brachas and Kladis we read when? The idea is just to read brachas and Kladis before Shoshana and before Shavuos. So why was the takana specifically? that the brachas and klalas of Vayikra should be before Shavuos, and the brachas and the klalas of Tevarim should be before Rosh Hashanah? That's the first question. The second question is the Gemara's reasoning. What does it mean, Tich Lashan And we can ask this question on two levels. The one, why have we decided Merosh every year deserves a klalas? As Eros Takona was, forever, Klai are going to be reading the Klai before Shoshana, so that the year and its Klai should end. Why would every year deserve a Klai? Why do we have to say that let's this, this year's Klai is finished? Maybe there'll be years of Bracha, maybe the years which don't deserve Klai. Why is it a given that there's a year of Klai every year? And it's not just random that the Klai should finish, it's Shana Vekile Leiseho. The year and its Klai, as if the Klai has something to do with the year. So each year has its klala, and we read the passages of the klalas so that the year and its klala should end. Why are, we, why are we condemning ourselves that every year we'll have a year of klala? And the third question, and that is, how does it help to read the passage of the klalas? Why does reading the passage of the klalas end the year and its klala? What does it all mean? 
So if you're going to address the issue of the brachas and the klalas, which come twice in the Torah, as the Gemara tells us, both in B'chakosai and in Dvarim. So first we need to look to see the difference between the brachas and klalas of B'chakosai and the brachas and klalas of Dvarim. So the first big difference we find, it's a Gemara in Baba Basra and Daf Peites, and also it's a Gemara which needs explanation. And the Gemara there says that look at the difference between the Klaras and Brachas which are given by Hashem to the Klaras and Brachas which are given by a person. Because B'chukaisa Hashem is talking. In B'chukaisa Yitelecha Hashem is talking in the first person. If you're going to listen to my commandments or if you're going to disobey me. And on that the Gemara says that if Hashem is talking, when He gives Brachas, He gives a Bracha with all the 22 letters of the Aleph face. It starts with an Aleph Im. And it ends, the brachas end, So the brach is from aleph to taf. It's complete. Whereas the klalas, ve'im le'tishmur, it starts with the vav, and it ends with the mem. So vav to mem is only eight letters. So when Hashem blesses, He blesses with 22, and when He gives the klalas with eight. And the Gemara contrasts that to the brachas and klalas and kisavoy, which the Gemara says with brachas and klalas, which Moshe said. Moshe says in here, if you're going to listen to the words of Hashem and not listen to the words of Hashem, so Moshe is the one speaking. And now when it comes to the brachas and klalas and kisavoy, it's exactly the opposite. Moshe blesses with eight, with, it starts with the vav, and ends with the mem. And when he gives the klalas, he gives the klalas with all 22. It starts with the vav, the imlay, and ends the hay, the ain koine. So vav goes all the way around the aleph base back to the hay, it's a full aleph base. And therefore the difference is Hashem blesses with 22 and curses with 8, and Moshe is exactly the opposite. Now that's a very strange Gemara. Firstly, why would Moshe do that? Why would Moshe want to curse us more, more than he has to? And we can ask the question as well, that there was nothing Moshe said that Hashem didn't tell him to say. It wasn't that Moshe chose which language to use. He was saying what, Hashem, what he was meant to say from Hashem. So obviously it means Hashem wanted him to say what he said. So why is it attributed to Moshe, the one cursing us with all 22 letters? As opposed to when Hashem chooses to bless or curse, then it's different. And we understand that obviously there's a deeper point between the difference between what Moshe tells us and Hashem tells us. What is it? Let's look at another difference. Between the first Debris and the second Debris. Between the first Clodus, I mean, and the second Clodus. The ones of Bechukosai and the ones of Kisava. When the Ramban tells us that the Clodus and the Brachas of Bechukosai happened, and they describe the period of the first place of Mikdash. The Brachas describe the period of the glory of Klai Yisrael when the first place of Mikdash stood and that's why I have Pesukim there Vesalachti Besaychichem Vadechaz Chamkumimiyos Klai Yisrael had the Shechina with them Klai Yisrael had Nevoah Klai Yisrael were at the heights the zenith where Klai Yisrael reached it was in the time of King Shlomoy in the time of King Cheskia that was the pinnacle of Klai Yisrael's achievement and he says the Klonus of the Chukosai referred to what happened at the time of the destruction of the first Besamekdash. 
and he brings some examples of what's referred to there is what Taishwal experienced in the Goddess of Babu. He says, whereas the Brachas and the Goddess of Kisovoi are referring to the time of the second Besamekdash. So there we're talking about a period where there was a Besamekdash, but Taishwal never regained what they had at the time of the first Besamekdash. There was no Nava, there was no Aaron Kodesh, there was no Shechina. And the Kladis of Kisavai are talking about the time of the destruction and the persecution following the destruction of the second Besamekdash. And once again, the Ramban proves how what the Torah talks about matches what happened to us at the time of the Roman conquest. Even the Pasuk, which talks about the nation which will come and swoop in like the eagle. So Ramban says that refers to the, the Romans, that the eagle was their standard. A nation from a distant country, you won't speak their language. The Jewish people knew the language of Babel. They didn't know the language of Rome. There are many other examples. And therefore the Ramban defines that the one Brachas and Claudius are referring to the first Vesem English period and the other Brachas and Claudius are referring to the second Vesem English period. Like we said, the main difference between those two periods is the time of the first Vesem English was the time when Hashem was with us. The time of the second Besam Mikdash, even in its greatness, even in its glory, was a time when Hashem wasn't with us. And therefore, the Ramban says that the Brachos and the Kladus of Bukhakaisai were said directly by Hashem. Because that refers to a time when Klai Yisrael were hearing directly from Hashem. For a time when there was still prophecy. And the Brachos and the Kladus of Kisava were said via Moshe, obviously speaking in Hashem's name. Because that referred to a time period where Klai Yisrael were taught, were guided by the Chachomim. It was the time of Torah Shabal Peh, and not by Hashem directly. And with this insight of the Ramban, let's take it one step further. And now we can understand what the Gemara was saying. And that is, it's not that Moshe wanted to curse the Jewish people more. Rather, we're talking about two different time periods, two different realities. And when we are blessed by Hashem, which means when we are blessed at the time period when Hashem was with us, the time of the first Beis HaMikdash, the blessing was complete. It was from Aleph to Tov. Klai Yisrael were blessed in every possible way. It was the highest point Klai Yisrael ever achieved. Whereas when we were punished, the time of the Khurban, Klai Yisrael still had a certain amount of autonomy in Babel. As we know, there were even Nevi'im in Babel. Yechezkel, for example, Baruch ben as we know. And if that's the case, what we lost was from Bob until Mem. Eight letters. Maybe now's not the time to elaborate on it, but it's a remiss to the Beis HaMikdash. We lost the Beis HaMikdash and what the Beis HaMikdash had in it, and that's what that's referring to. Whereas, when it came to the time of the second Beis HaMikdash, so the bracha, the greatest point we had at the time was that we had a Beis HaMikdash. We didn't have Nevoah, we didn't have Shechina, we didn't have all the blessing, we didn't even have the independence. Most of the time, the second base of Mikdash, the Jewish people were under subjugation of whether it was Persia or Greece or Rome or whoever other nation it might have been. But we had the base of Mikdash. And therefore, the bracha was a bracha of eight letters. That in the time of the bracha, there was the base of Mikdash. And the Klara, the Klara was complete. At the time of the second base of Mikdash, then Klaishol were dispersed. It was the time when Klaishol were the most punished. And that's how we talk about And the Gemara says that if you look at the time when Hashem is speaking, it's the time of the first Beis HaMikdash. 
So the bracha was with 22 letters from Aleph till Tav, and the Torah was with 8. Which means the time of the bracha had everything, and what we lost was the base of Mikdash, which is referred to by those 8 letters. Whereas when it comes to the Torahs and the brachas of Kisavah, when Moshe is talking, the time when we didn't have Hashem, and the time when we're talking about the time of what Chachamim would tell us, so then the bracha was only 8 letters. What we had was the base of Mikdash. But the Kala was Kukunti too. Because when we, the time of the Khurban of the second Mr. Mikdash, that's when everything got destroyed. Just as a remnant, as a hint to this idea, the same Pasuk, which we said here, is talking about the Hedras, which begins with the Bab and ends with Mem, we find the same thing that the Pasuk, which talks about the mitzvah to build the Mesa Mikdash, also starts with the Bab and ends with the Mem. Va'asuri Mikdash, Vashachanti Besaycham. So we have another remnant, that's what it's referring to. Now, that's why we can explain another point as well. We said that the Dakana of Ezra was that the Klaras and the Brachas of Bechukaisa should be read before Shavuos. Because since that's talking about the time period of Nevoah, the time period where we hear from Hashem directly, so that's the necessary thing to read about before Kabbalah Satar. That's the necessary thing to hear about before we're going to accept the Torah Shabbat And the Brachas and the Klaras of Kisavai, which refer to the time period when there wasn't Nevoah, the time period of the second verse of Mikdash where we were guided by Torah Shabbal Peh. That we should read before Rosh Hashanah. Why? Because there's something amazing about Rosh Hashanah. And that is, if you look in the Torah, you'll never see anywhere that Rosh Hashanah is referred to as the beginning of the year, as referred to as the Yom Adin. Nothing. All the Torah talks about Rosh Hashanah is on the first day of the seventh month, you should brother Shafi. And everything which talks about the importance of the day and the din of the day and the fact that it's a new year is all Torah Shabbal Peh. And therefore the brachas and the Klalas which refer to the period of Torah Shabbal Peh that's what we should read before Rosh Hashanah. So, so far we've seen one part. What's the difference between the brachas and Klalas of the Chukaisai, the brachas and the Klalas of Kisavai, why this one was said by Hashem and that one was said by Moshe, why there's a difference between how much and how all-encompassing the bracha and the klara is in each case, and why the takon of Ezra was to read the one before Shavuos and the other one before Shoshana. Perhaps we can add another interesting point. So it's particularly the takon of Ezra, because Ezra stood at the division between those two generations. The Gemara says Ezra is Malachi, which means Ezra was the end of the Torah Shabbat the last prophet, the closing scene of the time period where we could hear Hashem directly and at the same time he was part of the Anshayi Knesset Sagadayla which were the first generation of the Rabbanan who, called, who gave us Torah Shabbat and therefore he could see clearly the difference between the two periods in Jewish history the two times of Bracha and Klala and that's why maybe he was the most appropriate to make this Takan but now let's go back to the other question we asked why did Ezra Metzakan this? what was the reason to read Brachas and Klala before Shavuos and before Shoshana. So the Gemara says, by says, so that it should be Tech Leshana that the year and its closest should end. And we ask the question, what's the curse going to do with the year? And how does reading the Pasha bring them to an end? So let's learn together a story in the Gemara. It's the Gemara of Basra. And perhaps there we'll see a tremendous insight, not just into this Gemara, but also into our own preparation for Shoshana. The Gemara of Abbasra on the Afir Amadalif says 
story. Rabbi Yechon ben Zakkai had a dream on the night of Rosh Hashanah. And he had two nephews and Rabbi Yechon ben Zakkai dreamed that over the course of the year his nephews were going to lose 700 gold pieces, a tremendous amount of money. So the whole year long, whenever he had an opportunity, Rabbi Yechon ben Zakkai tried to convince his nephews to give money to Stocker reasoning that the money they would give to Stocker could stand in place of the money they were going to lose. And over the course of the year, he had got them to give 684 coins to Sakha. Erev Kippur, the Gemara says, they were taken in by the soldiers of the Caesar, the Roman guards, captured them, put them in jail to be tried for some crime or another. And of course, they were scared for their lives. What would be the outcome of the case? What was going to happen to them? Rabbi Yochanan, when Zaki comes to visit them in the jail, and he says, do you happen to have 16 coins in you? Yes, they did. So give it to me, I'll get you out. That's what he did. I don't know how he got them out. If he bribed the guard or bribed the judge, I'm not sure what he did with those 16 coins. But he got them out of jail. They asked him, how in the world did you know that with 16 coins you'd be able to get out of jail? So Rabbi Yechon tells him about his dream. And he said, I knew that you had to lose 700 gold coins this year. And I know that I convinced you to give 684 to Stockholm so that then what was still left from Hashem's cheshman from last year 16 coins and therefore I knew that that's what you'd have to lose now and then you'd come out of jail the Gemara says they asked him so why didn't you tell us up front to give the extra money to Stocker he says I wanted to give the mitzvah without knowing not knowing that this was to pay back a debt in Shemaim but there's this tremendous insight I learned from this Gemara and that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a din that he gives every person in Rosh Hashanah what's going to happen to them in the course of the year that means until the next Yom Kippur when the second next year is then is finalized. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't punish right away because he waits to see if people will do each other. He waits to see if maybe there's a way that people will change enough not to deserve the punishment. But since there is such a day and since the judgment has already been given then it has to happen. And if that's the case before the next year is up so whatever outstanding debts they are have to be repaid. Whatever then in their world which haven't yet come into effect have to happen. And that's why Rabbi Yech, in the case of Rabbi Yechon's nephews, Hashem waited. How much they would get to stock over the course of the year, which would stand in place of the money that was nixed on them that they should lose, until Erevim Kippur. He couldn't wait any longer. And then they were punished whatever was left. Which means there's a concept of whatever the dinim were, whatever punishments were nixed on a person on Rosh Hashanah, have to be have to be completed, have to be come into effect before the next year's Rosh Hashanah. And if Hashem waits during the course of the year, because many people will do chuvah, but by the time the year gets to an end, so then there's no longer time to do chuvah. That's when the din has to come to fruition. And if we understand that, then we understand there's a concept of a certain worry before the year's end. And that is the closest of the year, whatever was nixar, punishment, whatever was decided in Shemaim, it hasn't happened yet, has to happen before the year ends. And we want that in order for Hashem's decree on the previous Shoshana to be fulfilled. So what can we do about that? If we're holding closely and closer to Rosh and we worry that maybe there's still outstanding liability that we have, there's still punishments which were decided which haven't happened to us yet. What can we do about it? This brings us to another Yisait. And the Yisait is, 
that if a person understands the punishment that is high and he says Hashem I deserve this punishment so then he doesn't have to get it papaya. He doesn't have to, if a person realizes this is what I deserve he takes it to heart and he admits this is what I'm responsible this is what I deserve so then he doesn't have to feel the punishment in its physical form that's the aside of the Kalas the aside of the Kalas is that this is what you deserve if you disobey Hashem this is what you deserve for transgressing the Averis this is what's going to happen to a person who doesn't obey the Torah and the more a person takes the Kalas to heart the more a person realizes that this is true, this is what I deserve, and he takes it to heart that this is the punishment what it's meant to be, so then that relieves Hashem of the necessity of visiting him with a physical punishment. He's learned the lesson from hearing the le- from what the Torah says. As the Ramos says, Rabbi Yehuda, also, when a person hears the Torah about the punishments that there are, that's an impetus to chop. But that can be similar to having gotten the punishments. With this we can explain a well-known Chazal. At the beginning of next week's Pashan itself. It says that at the begin- after the Kaishal heard all these clothes, all 98 of them, Hayriku Penaim, their faces turned green. And they said, Who can withstand such terrible punishment? And Moshe began to calm them down. And he said, no, it's not so bad. You've done a lot of bad in the past. You still survived. Don't worry, you'll still survive. And we always have the question, it's a famous question, Moshe Rabbeinu, what are you doing? The point of the Kharas was to scare them. You scared them. Let them be scared. That will be the best deterrent from Chait. Why are you trying to say it's not so bad? Minimizing it. Isn't that counterproductive? And with this Yisrael, we've just learned to have a beautiful answer. And the answer is, the Kharasal was scared, having heard what the Kharas are, we're going to get visited with these Kharas. They're going to happen to us. And how are we going to survive? And Moshe told them, if you've taken the clothes to heart so strongly, then you don't need to suffer them. Then the message of the clothes has been given by the message of the warning. And that's the Yisrael. If you're going to read the brachas and the clothes before Rosh Hashanah, before Shavuos, it's because you want the, hearing the brachas and the clothes to take place of receiving the brachas and the clothes. And if we listen to the clothes carefully and think it's true, that's what we deserve. It's true, that's the punishment for people who don't obey Hashem and we hive in that. And we deserve those colors. Then we can say, that this, may that this be in place of any debts, of any punishments, which were still nixer on us before Rosh Hashanah, which would otherwise have to be visited on us before the year comes to an end, that this be in their place. Let us accept the colors as Hashem gave them to us. And that will stand in the place of having to feel the grunt physically of those colors. Perhaps we can finish with one last point. The Kladis and Kisavi end with the Pasuk. These are the Divrei Abris, the covenant which Hashem commanded Moshe to tell the Jewish people. Well, it's a warning, it's a threat, it's a promise of reward. Why is it a bris? Why is it a covenant? Maybe this is part of the idea. And as a Kladis accepted on themselves the Brachas and the Kladis. And if we accept it, that this is, what, this is what we deserve, and we take it to heart, so maybe that's your side, that this replaces having to feel the punishment, that's the bris, that's the covenant with Hashem. And that is by accepting, this is what we deserve if we don't obey the Torah. That takes place of having to feel the punishment. And then we can say, having read the Chorus, 
now the colors of the year are finished. Whatever debts there may have been, which haven't been repaid, whichever outstanding liability you have in Shemaim, by accepting our responsibility, by admitting that we're guilty, then we can, that they can take the place of having to be punished. They can take the place of having to feel the clothes being meted out in person. And then we can say, we've, so to speak, that the Takana of Ezra, that this prepares us for the new year. That's why we've expiated whatever remaining guilt that there was, which would otherwise have to be punished before the next Yom Kippur, before the year is up, that the reading of the Qadrus can take the place of that and complete our debt for the previous year. And then, Be'ez Hashem, we can prepare for a new Rosh Hashanah, a new year, which would be a year of Bracha, and like it says, uh, Bracha and what Qadrus are looking forward to.